you don't answer the table tonight. Don't you need everybody to move? If the ref gets in your way, you hear them? We ain't apologizing for nothing today. They'll take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? They'll take care of y'all mental. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Fantasy Execution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Pelashotti. With me now and forever, my boys, Kyle Settle and Devin Spawn. What's going on, fellas? What up? Hello. An interesting show coming up, but I'm going to ask you first, Kyle. What are you doing this weekend here? Well... Tomorrow's the big 3-1 for me, so the wife, the family... No one cares, uh, dude. Shut up. Devin, what's uh, up, dude? <laughs> uh, I'm literally just going to watch some League of Legends stuff and rude, be a nerd and do nice laundry time. and drink a little bit, you know. Very well. It's literally Good my birthday. <laughs> 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 All right, though. Let's get to some football. So anyway, we're going to a taco and beer garden type thing. It's going to be pretty dope. Whole family's going out there. The wife is like four months. The wife is like four months pregnant, so she's driving. So that's just excuse for me to get as as wasted as I want. I can't shit talk you because you're talking about your pregnant wife. Hot man, especially since (laughs) thirty one has to take the place of my thirtieth because I spent the thirtieth in quarantine. The big three zero. Sitting at home with the fam doing nothing. Now we're going out to the beer garden. My sister's in town. She's a traveling nurse. I only get to see her once like every year or two. It's going to be a good time. Good family, friendly drinking. It's going to be a good time. Hey, continue, Brad. I, I, I got to go to Home Depot and uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. There I mean, go. it's going to be a busy day. It's going to be a great Saturday. All right, Frank the Tank. <laughs> that's, the, that's the joke there, Yeah, you Kyle. butchered okay. the quote, so I had to connect the dots for some God you damn, really you fucking close. suck. You're on a roll today, Kyle. With this podcast yet? Let go! Holy shit. <laughs> Alright, on to some news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Extra, extra, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for sale. We have breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom goes the dynamite. So, my beloved Philadelphia Eagles signed Carrion Johnson. Or actually, they picked him up off of waivers. Um, I don't know what this means for his future. Not much of anything I would tend to believe. I think it means more about Miles Sanders and uh, the way they feel about him drafting Kenny Gainwell in the third round and then bringing in Carrion, who... Was a fantasy darling at one point, RIP. Um, I'm just a little worried about Miles Sanders. What do you think? Yeah, uh, so you already talked about the Gainwell thing, which I think is huge because we talked about a little bit last show how I felt like Miles Sanders was kind of getting the raw deal, how I felt like he was probably a capable pass catcher who really just wasn't given the shot, and with Gainwell he probably wasn't going to. There's four or five backs in this offense now with – a lot of experience in the NFL and a chance to take touches. Now, I don't think all these bodies are making it out of camp. I think it's probably going to be at the most four, but even possibly down to three because each one of those 
uh, guys in the backfield is so good. But it, it kind of sucks as a carry-on owner, someone who was holding on. You see in the news that he was uh, let go by Detroit, and you think, all right, Dolphins, Jets, Falcons, all these different areas that need a, a three-down back or at least a lead back in a committee. And, and instead it goes to Philadelphia where he's going to be behind Miles. And I, I think you're right. It says a lot more about how the Eagles feel about Miles Sanders than it does about uh, anything else, I think. Uh, yeah, Miles Sanders can't catch the football. Um, I, I think he had 39 catches last year, but I read, I don't know the exact stat because I suck and I don't remember shit, but it, he had some of the, like, one of, the, one of the worst catch rates for a running back uh, with targets. I don't know, like, what the fuck that issue is, so maybe bringing carry on is just like, hey, this is a guy that can almost do the same thing, but he's a better pass catcher, so there's certain downs that we're going to have Kenny Gainwell or um, carry on in vice Sanders. I think Sanders is still a pretty decent runner, um, I don't know. I, the whole Eagles O line was just so beat up, so I don't want to take away his yards per carry average being down, or he just didn't look good when it's when there's nowhere to run. It's it's hard for anybody to look decent. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but you should still be kind of a little worried as fantasy owners. Yeah, Devin, on that uh, stat you were talking about, his catch rate for Miles Sanders fifty three point eight percent. That's number thirty four in the league amongst running backs. Not great. It's not ideal for a guy that you think is a PPR back. By the way, he's built. Yeah, and he's not he's, he's not very efficient with the catches he actually reels in. I mean, 24 is not all running backs in the NFL. As a, um, you know, top 15, 16 running back and one that was thought to be a, a good pass catcher coming into the league and coming into a good situation to catch passes, that's definitely underwhelming. So I'm not totally out on Miles Sanders, but I'm a little worried. Soft season hasn't been great for his outlook, and uh, last season also uh, was a Pretty rough for him and the Eagles in general. So we'll see if he bounces back. I'm not very hopeful. If you're a if you're a Sanders dynasty owner, what are you doing with him right now? Are you, are you selling when honestly, like it's probably a pretty low sell right now because you see all the moves that the Eagles have made in the last couple of weeks? Are you hold in or what? Uh, in the words of Dogecoin, you hold the line. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, fuck. If there's one thing we can learn from, it's cryptocurrency. Hold Shout the out line. to my I, boy I, in, Dwight in, Black. In, uh, in all honesty, I just hold the line here. I traded him last offseason, and I'm fine with the decision. That's but I think if you're top. an owner, the value is so low, like you just said, Kyle. Just hold the line. Just hold it. See what happens in the middle of the year. Maybe he pops off, and you're like, mm, eh, okay, and now I'll trade him. Or I'll hang on to this guy because he's still young. I mean, if you're going to trade him, I don't think right now is a good time to do it. Um, <clears throat> but running backs are usually pretty expensive in the trade market. So if somebody's desperate, you know, I'm always – down for taking advantage of everybody yeah. smelling some blood in the water the fucking sharks are coming <laughs> you know what i mean so uh ask uh ask a few of the guys in our league and they'll fucking rip their hair out i'm sure <laughs> the ones who haven't quit yet oh, wait. Uh, moving on to the next section of the news we got some good news and some bad news about some offensive linemen specifically offensive tackles so you want the good news or the bad news first bad news well, i'm bad a negative news. kind of guy so let's start with the bad news bad news tackle juan james towards acl and uh, he was starting for the Denver Broncos. He actually opted out last year. Um, and he really wasn't that great before last year either. So the guy that I think that they were relying on going into this year is now out for the year. Um, I don't know if you can take much fantasy angle on this uh, other than maybe Melvin Gordon and uh, Javante Williams get a little bit of a ding. But I don't think it's anything that's going to change the ranking or change the draft position, anything like that. Just sucks for the guy, the player. Coming back from an opt-out year, kind of hoping to really cash in and, you know, the, come for him. The interesting thing about this is not going to have fantasy impact at all. It's 100% on the NFL side where because this was an off-site injury, 
the NFL, I forget if it was the NFLPA or the NFL Official Association, whoever it was, they just put out, uh, I want to say less than a week ago, that if a player gets out, or gets hurt rather, off-site, so aka away from team facilities, not during practice or OTAs or anything like that, the team may not have to pay their salary. So Denver's in a really unique position right now where they may be able to void like the I think it's close to ten million dollars on Juwan James contract this year. Yeah. It's ten million, yeah, it is ten million. Yeah, so there you go. There's there's ten million in the bank because Aaron Rodgers got traded there last week, right? So now you can free up all the room you need in order to sign him. <laughs> I'm uh just to get NFL political really quickly, I don't think the Broncos should not pay him because that's fucking right, fucked because yeah. he's he was training to get better for the Broncos he just did it not at the sure. facility and got hurt it's a whole that's a whole yeah. thing you could do a whole four episodes on that he, he didn't go full Plexico out here it's not like he shot his ACL while he was out at a yeah. nightclub or anything like that I, I'm completely with you yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it's it, it's shitty for organizations to do something like that but it, it would you know we get it if it happened you're telling me the NFL would make a bad move no uh, yeah. They do. They do it yearly. They're, they Perfect. are my moral compass. Yeah. They, they really are. They are the reason I'm happy. We need some good news now. <laughs> Raven signed tackle Alejandro Villanueva to take over for um, Orlando Brown. <laughs> Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown. <laughs> Orlando Brown. After Kill being traded to Kansas City, uh, they signed they signed uh, Alejandro Villanueva. He actually had a funny quote. I don't want to super. Uh, misquote him here, but essentially he said, uh, it seems like a good culture. You know, um, yeah, no, they like to run one. the ball a lot, which is great for offensive linemen, and uh, the wide receivers can go tweet or some shit like no, that. No, it was TikTok. Uh, TikTok. They can, they're, they're worried, more worried about running the ball than making TikToks or whatever like that, and that's a direct shot yeah. at Devin's boy, Juju. <laughs> Not yeah. my boy. That's 100% cool dude, right? your boy. He's a cool dude. That's no, it. He, he is a cool dude. He seems like a cool dude. <laughs> Fantasy wise, no. I think this was a good move for their offense in general. I think he's still got some good years left, and um, their interior offensive line has kind of struggled over the past few years, specifically last year. So, if you're a Dobbins owner or a Lamar owner, where they're going to be running the ball a lot, or uh, even a Mark Andrews owner, where you know it, hopefully he doesn't have to stay in and block as often, then this is a good signing for you. It's just a little uh, feather in the cap of those owners and uh, something to kind of hang your hat on, be a little more confident going into 2021 in that offensive line. Yeah, it's it's like you said, he's the direct replacement for Orlando Brown. You talk about their interior line struggling. Well, that pretty much came, I, I think, right in line with when Marshall Yanda decided to hang it up, one of the best guards that we've ever seen, especially definitely in the modern era, but really maybe of all time. This guy is when you know a guard's name and you're not a big follower of the NFL, then you know that guard is, is a hell of a guard. Kind of like the Quentin Nelsons of today. When you know a guard by name, you know they're a hell of a player, and, and, and that's what he was. But uh, Villanueva, like you said, that's it's good very much for the running backs, uh, for J.K. Dobbins, who's expected to be the lead, and then Gus Edwards or anyone else who's getting touches back there. So definite uh, obvious fill-in for, for Brown, and Ravens will keep on rolling. Yep. All right, time to get into it. Get into the meat and potatoes. Ugh, I hate that saying, dude. <sighs> well, fuck off, dude. I'm the host. I say what I want. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I'm fucking feeling it tonight, boys. You fucking come to me. Really? You're going to get it. You're going to oh, get we're it. We're earning the explicit okay? tag on the pod tonight. <laughs> mm. All right. What does every fantasy player love? Winning. Rankings. Winning? Oh, rankings. Win- winning, yeah, sure. winning their but, matchups. Yeah. Money. Awesome. Rankings. Sex. Okay. Oh. Yes, Stay with me here. Oh. We're moving into our top 12 <laughs> dynasty quarterbacks by consensus. 
between us three. Okay. I'm ready. There's going to be a little bit of a uh, little bit of infighting here. I think a little bit of team turmoil. Okay. We're going to get through it. All right. Kyle's going to lose his fucking mind. Lose the last three hairs that he has left on the top of his head. And uh, I haven't lost any. That's just gray. <laughs> Let's dive into uh, number one. Number one. Can you guys guess who my number one quarterback is? Weird. Patrick Mahomes. Let's move on. Ding, ding, <laughs> yeah. ding. No, really. Like, there, there's not a lot of analysts there. It's <laughs> like there's not a lot to go through. You, we've been talking about Mahomes since he took over a couple, what, three years ago it is now. And I think about halfway through his first season, I messaged you guys and I said, this guy's better than Aaron Rodgers. And this is coming from, if you, if you can see video, you look over my right shoulder and you see a Packers jersey hanging on my wall and all the Packers memorabilia that I have throughout the office here. And I, I was willing to say in his uh, second year, but his first year starting, that this guy was already better than anything I'd seen from Brett Favre, anything I'd seen from Aaron Rodgers. He's amazing. He's still young. He signed the most ridiculous contract in sports about a year ago. He's the unanimous number one. Doesn't require a lot of thought. Yeah, nothing to say. Dude's the most talented quarterback to ever play football. That's, that's it. And I don't know how you could debate against having Patrick Mahomes number one. I think that's a good uh, <clears throat> a good litmus test if someone says anything even remotely close to Patrick Mahomes not being the number one dynasty quarterback. Stop listening. Cute. Don't get cute. Facts. All right, number two. Number two. So this one is where we get our first. It's a little early, but we already have our first uh, disagreement. So me and Kyle both have Kyle this quarterback at two overall, and Devin has him at five overall. And that quarterback is Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys. So what I want to say about Dak is look at everything around him before you look at him, right? He's got a fantastic offense, might have the best weapons in football. He has a good offensive lineman that keeps getting reinvested in. He has, in my opinion, the second best wide receiver prospect to come out of the draft in the past however many years. He's been a stud. See, Lamb, he's going to only get better. I think he's a stud in the making. And Dak has a rushing floor that people love to bring up, but it's so consistent. The consistency of what he brings to you on the ground every year is invaluable. And then what he what he does in the play-action passing game, in the general passing game, is enough for him to be a top three quarterback this year. And he has the stability of the contract, which was the one big hang-up coming into the year last year and this offseason. So I think with the contract, with the weapons, he is easily my quarterback too. And uh, you'll see why I have the other guys listed below him. But I think it's the stability of having Dak and what you've already seen from him year over year is why I have him at second overall. Yeah, um, Kyle, what do you think? I'm going to play uh, both sides of this argument here. I'm going to go ahead and give you the optimistic side and the pessimistic side both. The optimistic side is obviously what he's done the last couple of years. He finished as uh, QB2 back in 2019, and he was in points per game, the QB1 last year, even though he got hurt in uh, early on just in game number five. So three of the five games he played in, so not counting the New York game where he got hurt, not counting opening day against the Rams, he had the Atlanta Falcons put up 450 yards. Then follows it up against Seattle, 472 yards. Next game against Cleveland, 502 yards. This this guy was about to put up records if he continued at this pace, like records that will never be broken, and I don't care how, how much they favor the offense with rule changes in the future. He, he was just destroying it. So that is the perfect segue into the negative side, which, if you were listening, was put out in what I just said. Who were those games against? Atlanta. 
one of the worst defenses we've seen in the league over the last couple years. Seattle, they got their act together in the second half of the season, but if you can take your mind back to September, October of last year, this was one of the worst defenses in the game. They, they were airing it out in the whole, God, I can't believe it's going to come out my mouth, the whole let Russ cook narrative was in part because the defense was so bad and they had to win games 40-30. to 30. It's just what the defense was. And then after Jamal Adams comes back, the defense improves. But at this point, still not much. Cleveland, although they had a good defense, they, they were very bad against opposing quarterbacks. They let up a lot of stats, all right, a lot of fantasy points. And then the two teams we didn't name, the L.A. Rams, who were a solid defense. They were hindered probably on offense more than anything. But a solid defense. They held back to 266 and one touchdown. So, meh, whatever type of game. And then against the Giants, he got hurt in the second half of that game. Wasn't on pace for a great game. He was 14-21, a buck 66, and a pick. So, definitely not continuing the trend of four or 500 yards. So, Glasses half full, you say, okay, Dak's got the weapons. He's got the contract. He's going to come back, and he's going to be the exact same guy we saw for three out of five weeks. The pessimistic side is going to say, no, you saw three of the worst defenses in the NFL during that period, and it's way too short a sample to carry it out. All that being said, I think the risk is absolutely worth it for Dak. I still have him as my QB2 in Dynasty. Like you said, Shadi, he's he's locked down in Dallas for a long time with some great weapons. All right. We'll see how long Amari's there. We'll see how long Gallup's there. But CD's still on his rookie deal. Okay, They got plenty of weapons in the backfield. Mike McCarthy, as much as I may not like him, seemed to really click with him last year. And it was evidenced by the by the three games they played where he just went off. So he's my QB, too. Take it for what it is. Um, to uh, not spend another two hours on prospects or anything i'll keep it short and sweet with Dak prescott i think he's great he's my number five um but he's my number five for a reason because i got a guy who i have a hard on for josh allen is my number two um i know brett hates this guy uh last year for for warrant reasons he has some he has some pretty obvious flaws in his game but last year was such a boom year for him uh career highs in passing yards Passing touchdowns, QBR. He was the number one overall fantasy scorer last year in fantasy football. Uh, it, he should, he's, she should regress. Obviously, for redraft purposes, he should regress. But Josh Allen's 24. Uh, he's got Stephon Diggs, who's 27, 28. A young, a, a, an upcoming team who's going to be continue to be competitive every year in the AFC, even with Mahomes there. Allen should only get better every year. That's why I'm going to be taking Josh Allen. His dual threat is fantastic. I think he had 8 to 10 rushing touchdowns last year. I don't remember the exact number. So that's a total of uh, 47 total touchdowns, possibly. This is why Josh Allen's my number two guy. He's, uh, he, I think he's better a better investment than Dak Prescott long-term, but Dak's fine, too. Yeah, so he's your number two, and he's our consensus number three. So I don't think we're too far off on Josh Allen. I think there's just a bit more of a disparity between our view of Dak me and Kyle and Devin, your view of Dak. But since you already started bringing him down, let's move on to Josh Allen. I mean, I like Josh Allen a lot. I think this year could be a bit of a uh, come-to-earth season. You know, he was absolutely insane last year, the biggest leap we've ever seen from a, a third-year quarterback or fourth-year quarterback. And he has been not really given much more than he had last year. I think they're just trying to run it back. 
And uh, when you're trying to run back an outlier season, I think you might have a little difficulty in that. I don't think it's a problem long term. I just think this year he might be getting drafted a little too high in redraft or maybe even a little too high in uh, in dynasty, or, uh, dynasty startups. That being said, he, just like Dak, he has a great rushing floor. I think his ceiling is the highest other than Patrick Mahomes because he has an incredible arm in terms of just general arm talent. He can throw the ball a mile. He showed accuracy in 2020 that he'd never shown in his career in college or the NFL. Um, he, he's tethered to Stephon Diggs, like you mentioned, one of the best wide receivers in football, who's finally now getting called one of the best wide receivers in football after going from Minnesota to Buffalo. Their offensive line is solid. Their defense is getting better. They're going to be contenders in the AFC for years to come. I think Josh Allen is a great asset to have in Europe on your dynasty team. I just don't think he's as good as Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott, and I don't think that's saying too much. You think he has a higher ceiling than Lamar? Yes. Oh, okay. Devin, did you chime in and agree? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get to that when it comes around. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Shoddy, on uh, Josh Allen. I, I think he's solid. We have, we have the same top five. We just have it misordered, and that's what you're going to see in a lot of leagues. You're going to see – the Mahomes, Prescott, Allen, Jackson, Murray, and whatever order is going to be the top five in just about every league. But for Allen, I'm with you. I think we're going to see a little bit of regression. It's not enough for me to bump him down. I think he's going to be, be worthless or anything like that, or even a low-end QB1. I still have him as my QB5. But when, when you look at the first two seasons he had, and I understand Stephon Diggs wasn't there. The offense wasn't clicking in the same way. But it can't be overstated the jump that he took from year two to year three, where year one – 2,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, 12 picks. Year two, 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 9 picks. And then year three completely just breaks out of his shell. 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Just an amazing season. Is it an outlier? We're not going to know for a few years now. But I do think we're going to see a little bit of a, a regression back towards the mean. Yep, so that'll take us to our fourth quarterback. Kyle's uh, number three quarterback. And that is Lamar Jackson. Me and Devin have him stuck at four. Devin Kyle him. slightly ahead. How about you start us off with your uh, love obsession with uh, Lamar Jackson? Oh, yeah. Ranking him a spot higher than the both of you means that's yeah, absolutely dude, you fucking love this guy. No, let, let's not forget about what he's done the last couple years. So he had a rough start to last year. This is the whole Ravens offense did. And then he was quoted as saying, I just got to get back to my roots, do what I do best. And then he went into beast mode. I, I said in the last show, and you're going to hear me say it a hundred more times, that we're not playing Madden. Lamar Jackson's out here playing Madden. He's doing things that humans should not be able to do the way that he moves with the football. He's a freak. And I think people sort of forgot how high his ceiling actually is with the Konami code rushing ability that he has. He's going to put up another 1,000-yard rushing season. Granted, he stays healthy. And I got him as QB3 because I don't see the regression coming for him like I do see with Allen, and that's really just the biggest difference. I'm a big fan of Lamar. He provides the rushing upside. He's got more receivers now. They draft at least two wide receivers every single year being the Baltimore Ravens. So eventually a few of these guys are going to click, and they brought in free agent Sammy Watkins. So I think the arm upside is there, and the rushing floor will never go away. I usually defend Lamar Jackson with uh, his pocket presence. And I don't think it's great, but I think it's solid. And now that they did add some receiver talent, you know, maybe you could see it all come full come full circle for him, where he's putting up a thousand yards rushing in a year, thirty five hundred passing yards, thirty right. passing touchdowns, eight rushing touchdowns. Like that's that kind of thing can happen. That's why his ceiling is so high. I just don't 
fully believe it, that's the only reason Allen's like a spot a spot or two higher um, for me. I'm, I'm glad you talked about his ceiling and you only mentioned about 3,500 yards passing because I don't think the ceiling for Lamar Jackson is a 4,500-yard season or even a 4,000-yard season. And as a fantasy owner, I don't think you want that. He's scoring you way more points with his legs than he is with an arm. So even if he develops into an average passer, you don't want that as a fantasy owner. You don't want those checkdowns or, or those uh, half-point plays as a fantasy manager. You want him taking off and doing what he does with his legs because he's the best in the league. He's the best we've ever seen. Yeah, the only thing you have to worry about is with age. It's kind of like Michael Vick. I mean, obviously you're still going to be quick, but um, as you get older, you're going to get slower. You're going to run the ball less. I mean, obviously he's young as shit, so yeah, I'll, it's I'll worry kind of, about it's that kind of irrelevant at that now. point, right? Right now, but Lamar's great. I mean, whatever. I like Lamar a lot to have him at number four, obviously, but at, even though he's the best rusher at his position which means a whole hell of a lot in fantasy. I'm worried about the lack of innovation in that offense. You went from 2019 where you had this amazing play-action passing game and then old NFL cliche, wait till they get some tape on them. They got some tape on them. In 2020, they weren't as efficient. They were more predictable. It was they attack tight ends in the middle of the field and they attack uh, – Wide receivers down the field, and that right. was it. And and defenses caught on to that. Even not great defenses are stopping their passing attack. So I don't know if it's Lamar's fault. I don't know if he has the the arm talent to be a top ten passer in the league, but he has the rushing talent to be a top five quarterback every year if uh, as long as his offensive line holds up. So I'm not so much worried about Lamar's fantasy impact. I'm more worried about his real football impact and the the impact his coaches have on his passing attack. Um, there. Run game coordinator is fantastic, but he can't draw up pass plays with any creativity, or at least hasn't shown the ability to in all of 2020. Is, is so that I don't on know him, if he can really though, back on it, his passing, getting is, back to 2019 levels. Is that on him, or is that on the weapons that he's had? Because if I ask you to name the outside receivers for Baltimore for the last two or three years, of course you're going to name Hollywood, but let's not pretend that Hollywood is God's gift to football or anything like that. He had the first round draft capital. And even that was met with question marks a couple of years ago. People talked about his size, probably even more than Devonte Smith is getting questioned on his size now. Cause, cause he's the same weight as Devonte Smith, but he's about four inches shorter. And, now they added some targets on the outside. Now they pick up Sammy Watkins, a free agency. Now they draft Rashad Bateman early in the draft. Now do they have the weapons to attack outside? Because in, the past, like you mentioned, all you got to do is clog up the middle of the field and you can stop the Ravens' offense. And that's what teams did in the first half of the season. Now, you got some guys coming in who can attack the outside, and there's no more excuses. If you're not getting it done now, now I think you do go back to Greg Roman. Now I do think you do go back to Joe, uh, John Harbaugh. Now you do put it on the coaches because talent seems to all be there on paper. Yeah, yeah I mean, what I'll say about that is, I mean, you go to playerprofile.com and you go down to the efficiency tab, this catchable pass rate was 27th in the NFL at 75.8%. Mm. So even though his wide receivers may not be getting open, so he doesn't want to try to, to force those tight window throws, I don't know if he's capable of forcing those tight window throws. Maybe with more um, proficient route runners like Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace, a jump ball physical guy, he'll be willing to take those shots more often. But if he's not willing to, you're not going to get those points. And even if he is willing to, we don't know if he can do it. So I'm just worried about his passing prowess in general. But – not that worried, obviously, because I have him at fourth overall. But let's move on. We'll get to number five in Kyler Murray. Five. Kevin, this is your third-ranked quarterback, my fifth. Kyle's fourth. 
So we're all, you know, within two spots. I don't think there's going to be much debate on him. But, uh, Devin, how would you kick it off on uh, Kyler Murray? Uh, so you see Kyler Murray, you know, with pretty good offense in Cliff Kingsbury. Super fucking young. Uh, rookie year, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, uh, 3,700 yards, cool, whatever. Second year, 26 touchdowns, 3,900 yards, um, 12 picks again. But his, again, his running factor for an undersized quarterback, he's like a small guy, like a Russell Wilson, smaller, short guy, but his running ability is fantastic. He's able to make guys miss in the open field. He's like, he, we already know he's quick, but he's like deceptively quick in pads. It's, God, it's really those weird. legs work. Yeah, exactly. And then you added DeAndre Hopkins, who I, I think he's 29 now. The age doesn't matter really, but then you uh, you draft a guy, you know, Meyer, Meyer Brett's guy over here. We draft a guy. Uh, you, you think the the the, the, the sky the sky's the limit for this guy? Uh, you just think Kyler Murray could could do it all. He I think he can be Lamar Jackson, but a better version of Lamar Jackson because I think he can be a better passer and understand the NFL game better from a passing standpoint than Lamar can. And he um, has been a better passer over his career, and the addition of Rondale Moore is probably only going to help that. But like I alluded to last show, the only reason I have Jackson ahead of Murray is because of the question marks that I have with the coach. I still don't know if Cliff Kingsbury's offense is NFL ready, and I don't think another season like we saw last year is going to cut it when you're in the best division in football, and it's not even close right now, talked about. That NFC West is stacked. There's not a single team there that I could look at and say, yeah, that team has no shot. Even the Cardinals, who are, who are uh, dead last any anytime you ask Vegas, I would you be shocked if they won 10, 11 games this year? I'd call Absolutely you a liar not. if you were. It's a loaded division top to bottom, so the schedule's absolutely going to hurt him when you have six of those division games against those tough teams, but I'm a big fan of baby legs as well. Detective, I'm. this is upsetting to me because I feel like I don't need no regular leg partner. Baby legs, don't talk back to me. Good luck, you two. There's a criminal to kill. Wow. You sure found this guy quick. Uh, yeah, because I'm a good detective. Look, baby legs, it's the criminal. Oh, I'm the killer. I'm running. I'm running real quick. Baby legs, here we go. That's the sound I make when I'm trying to run fast. All right, I'm not gonna get him. I'm, I just learned a real valuable lesson. I'm coming, baby legs. I'm regular legs. We got him. Hey, that was good teamwork. Baby legs and regular legs. I'm proud of you two for working together. And baby legs, I know it was hard for you to come to the conclusion that you need a partner, but I'm proud of you that you did it. Hey, thanks, chief. Now get the out of here. Yeah, that's what he had, 23. Um, He's going to go early in uh, dynasty drafts for a good reason. Oh, yeah. And redrafts, he should be one of the first few quarterbacks taken off the board. Yep. This is where I see the uh, the kind of step-off period of you got number one, two, three, and four, and Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson in our consensus rankings. Those top four guys, they have stability in their situation. I mean, you're looking at Andy Reid, uh, I don't know if the Cowboys head coaching situation is that stable, but the weapons around him is very stable. They're young and very talented. Josh Allen has a head coach that's entrenched. He's got some good weapons around. He's got a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson is one of the best coaches in the NFL, um, and his situation is very stable. He's got new, young weapons. I really like all their talent and all their situation. We want to Kyler Murray. He has the talent around him, but I wouldn't be surprised if Cliff Kingsbury's going this year. I really, I mean, yeah. I don't know if their GM is going to be around next year. Guy's been in there in Arizona for a long time. I can't remember his name. Kime, I believe. He's been there for a long time, and I don't know how he survived this long. I think it's only a matter of time before people start 
drumming up the narrative that he's in the hot seat, and then Adam Schefter's oh, pumping yeah. out a tweet in six months saying he's fired. Oh, well, so, <laughs> he tweets it. It has to be true, right? <laughs> it's gospel, though. <laughs> oh, Kyle hates Adam Schefter now because he said one bad thing about the Packers. But hey, we'll hey. move on. He, he lied about so, Clay Matthews yeah. last year also. Mm, okay. he, he clearly has it out for the state of Wisconsin. You can save that for another day there. Pipe down, Sparky. <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray is a little bit of a question mark in terms of his situation, but the talent is there. Um, I'm a little bit worried about his turnovers, but he's still young. He could fix that. So let's move on to number six. Number six. That is Justin Herbert, who's six, and, six for me and Kyle and seven for you, Devin. Justin Herbert, I really didn't think he was going to be all that great. He just comes in to the NFL uh, by luck and by fate, maybe, with Tyrod Taylor getting hurt from the medical staff, as we all know by now, and we said it last show. Herbert came in and fucking lit it up, lit, mm-hmm. lit the fucking world on fire. He was a hot play in DFS because his price was so low, that he, he just kept being hot every week. He clicks with Kyle, uh, Kyle Allen, whoops, clicks with Keenan uh, Allen, thank you. Um, clicked with everybody immediately. He just came in and was great. Um, I think the potential is there for him to have another great season to keep succeeding. Maybe the Chargers, it's tough with that division, but the Chargers can push mm-hmm. for a maybe division spot, but and the Chiefs are uber talented. So, um, Herbert, I don't know. Herbert's like that next tier of the young quarterbacks that are running the NFL right now or about to run the NFL. You could see Justin Herbert for another 10 to 15 years. Dueling Patrick Mahomes, kind of like, you know, Peyton and Brady, but they're in the same division. You could kind of see that possibly coming to light, especially if he has another good showing this next year. Justin Herbert, we'll be, we'll be talking about Justin Herbert being the number three or number four dynasty quarterback, and he'll be going top five in redraft leagues. Herbert's got all the potential to be one of the best to do it in the NFL right now. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on board. Uh, I think the reason that we have Herbert six and outside of that unanimous top five in whatever order you put him in is because you have to expect a little bit of regression. Uh, there, there's positives and, and negatives that you can take away from his rookie season. The positives is obviously that he lit up the scoreboard. He went in and he had a hell of a rookie season. One of Maybe the best season that we've seen out of a rookie quarterback, which is probably going to be the case every year from now until the end of time, as long as the NFL keeps changing rules to make it easier and easier on these rookie quarterbacks and extending the season for extra games to make their stats look even better. But uh, I think we can put him safely at number six. There is one thing I'm curious about with him, and that's to see how this offense looks post-Anthony Lynn and with a healthy Austin Eckler. All right, they're getting a new regime in there, so don't underestimate the impact that has on a quarterback and especially a second-year quarterback. I don't think anyone here would question the talent of Herbert, but the situation is going to be changing this year. So fantasy owners, dynasty owners, who absolutely, you struck gold when you took this guy in in round one or round two, uh, depending on your format and depending on the league you play in. You, You struck gold, absolutely. This guy's the real deal, but to just assume he's going to be repeating the success he had last year I think is a fool's errand I do expect to step back a lot like uh, I'm expecting with Josh Allen I expect to see with Herbert not to say he's going to see his way out of fantasy relevance I still have him as my as a uh, higher end QB1 all right I do think he's that talented but I don't know if we're going to see the same success we saw in 2020 yeah I lean I lean that way a little bit but I think this is an interesting uh angle to look Look, I mean, this is a, a perfect example of why you draft quarterbacks early in Superflex. It's not because 
you're so confident in your evaluation that you know that this guy is going to be good. You can count on one hand the amount of analysts that thought that Justin Herbert was going to be a stud yep. coming in the NFL last year. You take these quarterbacks early in super flex leagues because they have the opportunity. And one of the hardest positions, if not the hardest position, to uh, scout from NFL scouts or people just looking at fantasy points is the quarterback position. So you take these shots and you could end up with a Justin Herbert level talent. And is there for sure. Um, but like Kyle said, the situation is changing. You're looking at probably some regression. I think that the interesting thing about Justin Herbert is he was one of the best quarterbacks last year under the, under pressure, which is insane from a rookie quarterback. That's yeah, usually where yeah. rookie quarterbacks struggle the most. So if there's, Something to hang your hat on with Justin Herbert. It's his talent is there. It's almost undeniable at this point. You can't come into the league, have that much success right off the bat, and not be impressed with this kid. And where he succeeded was where fantasy points are, are really accumulated. Play action passing game and under pressure where there's less defenders uh in the secondary, you know, more yards after catch, that kind of thing. So I love Justin Herbert. I think six is a good spot for him. Let's move on to our number seven quarterback. Seven. We all have him ranked at eighth overall. So this should be easy. It's Joe Burrow, Joey Bones. What's the word on Joey Bones, Kyle? So the 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 obvious positives are the draft that you just had, where you bring in Jamar Chase. You had the outstanding rookie year uh, from T. Higgins, and uh, you've got the consistency in the slot there with. Uh, help me out here, Tyler Boyd. Tyler yeah, Boyd. Tyler yeah. Boyd. Ty- Tyler Boyd, which. By the way, whenever we get to our receivers rankings episode, maybe we'll touch on him a little bit more, but I think he's sort of being slept on in the fantasy community right now. Everyone sees the big names of Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, but they they want to act like A.J. Green wasn't commanding targets all year last year in Cincinnati. But that's a conversation for another day. The obvious pros are the weapons that he's going to have surrounding them, the skill players. So the fantasy community is going to love him because that's all the fantasy community cares about is skill players. But the football realists out there are going to look and say, hey, they took Jamar Chase, but what did it cost? And the answer is Penny Sewell, which a lot of people thought would have been the better choice for them there in Cincinnati to shore up that O-line that's been a problem for the better part of a decade now. It's been not only one of the bottom half of the league, but one of the worst in the league. You can count on one hand the bad O-lines in the league, and Cincinnati's on that list every single time. So they do sign Riley Reef from Minnesota. Is it an upgrade? Probably can't be a downgrade, but... Joe Burrow, if he has time to attack, he has the weapons to attack with. He showed us a lot of flash, although not so much to make him fantasy relevant last year. Everyone has in their head that Joe Burrow is still the 101 in Superflex ranks from a couple years ago, which is obviously the case, but he was somewhere around QB 20, a low-end QB 2 last year when he got his injury. Okay, I'm not going to call him a shoe-in. But he has every opportunity to be, all right? If we get any sort of replication of what we saw in his last year in LSU translating to the pro level, then this number eight, or uh, seven unanimous, but number eight for all of us, maybe even a little bit too low. Yeah, uh, Joey Burrow, Joseph Lee Burrow, um, when he came out in the NFL next year, last year, uh, I... Uh, I thought this guy was one of the most naturally talented quarterbacks I've I've ever seen since I've been really invested into football, watching it, even watching tape and film. And since I coach high school football, I know it's way different. But I see footwork. I see things. I see how he reads things. I'm like, yo, Joe Burrow might be the real fucking deal. And um, for a, a bad Bengals team last year that did have some weapons on offense, he made those guys competitive almost every week. Like, I want to watch Bengal games because I want to watch Joe Burrow mm-hmm. light it up and be competitive. Um, and he had 13 touchdowns and five picks, 
2,600 yards when he got hurt. Really sucks that he got hurt. Uh, I think his weapons are great. Uh, the only question you could have for him is it, at LSU, he had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase to throw to. Like, how right. disgusting yeah. is that? You saw what Justin Jefferson did, has done so far. You would think Jamar Chase is going to do the same thing. Now he's got Jamar Chase and Boyd, and you still got Joe Mixon in the backfield. The weapons are there for Joe Burrow to be good now and good for the next handful of years. And I think his ceiling is enough to be right behind Patrick Holmes and QB2 long-term for uh, Dynasty. You just right now, you're number eight for after one year getting hurt. Let's see what you got, Joe. I think it's all there for you, though. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe in his talent. I, did. I fell in love with this kid after that storybook season in 2019. Great player, great story. I really want to root for But then he goes to the Cincinnati, and it seems like the front office is rooting against him. I think the Jamar Chase pick was egregious. I don't understand how you can have your promise child quarterback come in, mm-hmm. show a lot of promise, be really accurate, uh, take risks. You know, he wasn't shy. He came to the NFL game ready to reproduce what he did in college. And then he gets hurt by the number one overall pick, Chase Young, an absolute savage, rips his neck off, I mean his knee. <laughs> and then instead of protecting him, you get him another weapon, which yeah. I don't think they were lacking weapons. I mean, they had a good – Number they had probably two wide receiver twos, maybe T. Higgins elevates to a wide receiver one. Tyler Boyd's a good slot guy. You could have got a wide receiver in the second round. And, and don't forget, a, Joe Mixon's—he's a weapon on his own out of the in the passing game. He's a weapon as a running back. Okay, and and usually, yeah. like you're saying, it's like how can you watch your franchise quarterback, your one on one, get injured like that? Get like you said, murdered by Chase Young, and not immediately think we got to protect this guy. And instead, your thoughts go to we got to get him more weapons. I think that's just a showing of Cincinnati and the organization that they are. And I don't have a ton of confidence in him. Me either, and that's why I have our next consensus guy ranked ahead of him. And that's Russell Wilson. Evan, I want you to go off on Russell Wilson because I can, like, feel you getting wet through the screen right now. Why don't you dive in? Why don't you dive in? Tell me about Russell Wilson. You know, obviously, I remember, we'll go back quick, look really quick. I don't want to make this a whole long thing on Russell Wilson. Take we'll go back. back. Take it way uh, back. Take it way, way, uh, way back. Oh, <laughs> okay, logic. Take it back. Take it way back. Take a way, way back. Uh, back to when, 2006. He was in grade school and he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know that much. Uh, 2012, uh, Seahawks signed Matt Flynn in the offseason. Flynn had a Flynn, couple flashes. Oh, yeah, he had a couple flashes of potential. I was so excited. Watched the NFL draft. Um, Seahawks take Russell Wilson, who obviously I live in Wisconsin. Watched him play football for the Badgers. Should have went to the national championship. Got hold, that Michigan State game fucking yeah, sucked, easy, and then obviously go to the Rose Bowl, lose because that's what Wisconsin does in Rose Bowls is, is we lose. Best quarterback Wisconsin's ever gonna see, and we can't fucking put it together. They had JJ Watt on that team. I'm gonna go on a rant. Let me stop. Anyway, <laughs> Russell Wilson comes in the NFL, has a solid rookie year, wins uh, rookie of the year over everyone's darling Andrew fucking Luck and RG3, who had a great year that year as well. Um, and since then, he's been the model of consistency. Uh, we saw him take strides every year when everyone just thought the Legion of Boom were the reason we won 49, or 48. 49, Legion of Boom got us there again with a struggling offense. We're not going to talk about the ending. It never happened, in my opinion. And the next few years, Russell just keeps up putting better and better at better numbers with people who guys that people think don't aren't good, like Doug Baldwin. It's one of the best route runners the NFL saw at the time before he right? retired. You have Rocket Locket, who is... 
Russ Wilson's got a, over 100 passer rating when targeting Tyler Lockett on deep balls. It's disgusting. There, there's graphics on it every Sunday night of how good Russell Wilson's moon ball is. Then you had a DK Metcalf last year who people knocked the pick because they didn't think he was going to be that good of a receiver out the gates. His second year, fan-fucking-tastic. I know Russell's 32, I think going to be 33 in November. For a guy, if you're drafting a dynasty team to win right now mm-hmm. and to be competitive later, yep. Russell's your guy to be competitive right now because he's going to get you. He usually starts off hot. He's going to be a top ten, top five scorer immediately for the first five to six weeks, kind of taper off, but he's going to be consistent for you the whole time. Russell Wilson's a great dynasty pick still. Yeah, Devin, you don't need any stats. You don't need any ESPN graphics. All you need to do is watch a Seahawks game with me, and I will chew your ear off about how the best moon ball, like you said, the best touch pass in the league has for at least five years and for the foreseeable future come off of Russell Wilson's right shoulder. And I'd love what Seattle's mindset might be. It's hard to tell when you only have three picks in the draft, but the fact that they use the first one on Eskridge means that they're trying to load out this receiver core. And to me, it looks like they're trying to take a little bit of the Kansas City model of I'm going to beat you with speed because I got a quarterback who can take advantage. And if that is the case, and I'm not going to say it again, I'm not going to use the phrase that made me want to put a drill through my head last year, but if Russell Wilson is more active in the passing game than he has been in the past, which, by the way, what move did we see this offseason to make us think Seattle's going to be running the football more? Was it when they didn't draft a running back, or was it when they declined Rashad Penny's fifth-year option? I, I think there's a good chance that this offense is a lot more pass-heavy, very much more like we what we saw in the beginning part of 2020. All right, so I have Russell Wilson the highest of all three of us. I have him at seven. You guys both have him at nine. I think the biggest reason behind that is I look at his situation as more ambiguous than most people. I don't think they're going to just go back to running the ball a ton and uh, getting as far away from the early 2020 as they did. I think with what's going on in Green Bay, the whole Aaron Rodgers situation, the league is going to start gearing more towards trying to make your star quarterback happy. Russell Wilson has already expressed what he wants in Seattle. That was a huge story in the offseason. I don't think they're going to just going to try to sweep that under the rug. I think what they're trying to do, bringing in Gabe Jackson from the Raiders, signing Cedric O'Boyhe, and I think they drafted Stone Forsyth uh, late in the, the draft, who was a big, uh, a big name for all these draft heads, including myself. So I think they're trying to get him happy, and they're going to start throwing the ball a little bit more. Their highest pick in the draft, with when in which they only had three picks, like Kyle said, was uh, a burner, Dwayne Eskridge. So, I think his ceiling is in is, is being talked down. I think his ceiling is very high. I think he's the best, probably a top three talent at the quarterback position in the league in general. So you're betting on the talent, and you're betting on the situation being slightly closer to early 2020 than it was later 2020. That's why I have him seven. But other than that, I think we're done sucking off Russell Wilson. Let's move on to our number nine. Number nine. I have him at nine. Kyle has him at ten. And Devin has him at six. And this is Deshaun Watson. So let me start off by saying we all talked and ranked him where we would take him in a draft if the draft was today. So without speculating what's going to happen with him, because we're in no position to do so, we don't know anything about Mm. the legal situation that's happening right now. Where we would take him if the draft was today, I think this is an appropriate spot because you could be getting – the QB one, if he plays this year. He's that good. I know his weapons aren't great, but what he does on his own, he's proven time and time again 
that he can be a fantasy stud no matter what. So if he plays this year and you get him at QB9 in a super flex draft as an absolute steal, it's probably a league-winning pick in my opinion. So that's where I have him. You guys, just quickly, let me hear what you think about Deshaun Watson. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on him. Right now it's kind of wait and see with him. So, Kyle, what do you got? I love what you did with the we're not going to speculate because that's all it is. All we can do is provide you with information of what we would do with the information we have. And I think there's optimistic scenarios in both Dynasty and in redraft with uh, Deshaun Watson. The the optimism that would come from Dynasty is that if he does get into legal issues, if that does manifest, it probably isn't career-ending. And on that, we're not going to speculate. Like we said, anything could happen. But if it's not career-ending, and next year you have a Deshaun Watson in his mid-20s, and all of this gets behind him, then you've got a game winner. You've got a game changer at quarterback. You've got a guy who probably, if he doesn't have all this stuff hanging out over his head, is a top six dynasty quarterback. And we Especially have if he's not in Houston. Yeah, and if he goes anywhere else, like Houston's going to be the worst team in the league next year. Like I, I don't think there's anyone else you would put up against it. You could say I'd take the field, but Houston's going to be the worst team in the league next year. So anywhere he goes is going to be an upgrade. He's incredibly talented, and uh, so I talked about that's the dynasty impact is that you still have a lot of career left. In redraft, as long as we're talking about a 1QB league, I think he's worth the risk at this point because in a 1QB league, if you do not hit, if you do not strike gold, if you do not take Patrick Mahomes in the 12th round, if you don't take Lamar Jackson in the 9th round, you cut bait, you move on. There's someone else on the waiver wire who can get it done for you. And I, I don't think at QB9 you're spending such a high premium that you can't recover from it in a 1QB league. Now, the situation where I may have to discount him outside of my top 12 and maybe make him borderline undraftable is going to be if we're talking about redraft super flex, where quarterbacks are so important and you can't afford to lose a year. Dynasty, you lose a year in your early mid-20s, you bounce back. In single quarterback leagues, you lose your quarterback, you go to the waiver wire, you grab another one. But in redraft super flex, I don't think I'm touching Deshaun Watson in 2021. Touching, huh? <clears throat> Fitting. Damn it, I walked <laughs> Um, yeah, I have Watson at six, the highest out of all of us. Um, because I think, I mean, it, the numbers speak for himself. Sure, he had Hopkins for the first part of his career. Didn't have Hopkins uh, last year. Still put up 33 touchdowns, seven picks. The highest quarter rating he's ever had. The most passing yards he's ever had. Um, even with Bill O'Brien, how shitty that team is and shitty the organization is, uh, it should just prove to anybody that this guy's a fucking stud quarterback. Oh, he's he's an elite. He's one of the best quarterbacks to play football right now. Uh, situation aside, like we said, uh, this this, there's no reason that Deshaun Watson shouldn't be a top six to four fan dynasty quarterback um, if everything's given normal. Um, there's really nothing else to say but that Kyle and Brett didn't cover, honestly, because I, I just think he's just uber good, and he should be one of the best quarterbacks, again, to play football for the next 10 to 15 years if everything goes smoothly. If he gets out of Houston, though, too, we're talking about QB1, QB2 every year. If he gets the goals, the right situation. Oh, he, he was amazing last Kyle. year. Let, let's not discount the fact that he was QB three last year with Will Fuller as his WR one for three quarters of the season. After that, it was Brandon Cooks and how many times is he going to get a shout out on this show? Chad Hansen.
guy's amazing. No one's questioning the talent. It's just how much risk do you want to put in drafting a QB? Because his yeah. ceiling is number one QB. His floor is I'm not playing football this year. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So let's move on. That's enough about him. Our 10th ranked quarterback. Ten. Number 10th for me and Devin. Number 7 for Kyle. So I'll switch it to Kyle see why he's higher than us on Trevor Lawrence. So unless your head has been buried in the sand for the last three years, you know what kind of a prospect Trevor Lawrence is. I knew it as soon as I saw his first game in Clemson that this kid was the real deal. Sunshine himself has finally made it to the NFL, all right? I talked about last year, I'm a little speculative about what Jacksonville can do around him. But if you were going to ask me right now, today is May 7th, about to be May 8th, in the year of our Lord, 2021, is Trevor Lawrence going to have Urban Meyer in the same front office for his entire career? I would say hell no. I would say these guys are probably out the door in the next four to five years. Because if things don't go well with Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback, the blame's going to go somewhere. And it's not going to go to Trevor Lawrence. This guy's the best quarterback prospect that we've ever seen. And if things start to go sour, he's Urban Meyer's out the door. Okay, That front office is out the door. That whole coaching staff is out the door. Okay, Because the kid is that talented. So... Even though I don't have the highest confidence in who is in Jacksonville right now, I don't think these college coach retreads work out very often. Ask, ask Nick Saban. Ask Jim Harbaugh. That's neither here nor there. Trevor Lawrence is every bit worth the hype. That's why I have him as the top seven Dynasty QB. Yeah, best prospect since Andrew Luck, uh, quarterback-wise. Past Andrew Luck. League. I like Trevor Lawrence over Andrew Luck. I'm just saying he's the best one since Andrew Luck. Yeah, that, that's what everyone says, but... T Law though, on a real note, T Law's great. Um I do think he's got a decent enough talent around him right now to make a decent enough impact to warrant some redraft picks as a backup, maybe. Um but yeah, when we're talking dynasty dude. Oh, I think you're drafting 10. him as a starter in redraft right now. Oh, a starter. Oh, that's too risky for this boy. I need. Sorry, I, I, mean, I would need to pair him with like a Matt time, Stafford or a Ryan Tannehill. I can't name um, twelve quarterbacks I'd rather have this year than Trevor. I mean, it'd be close to your credit. It'd be close. Uh, I, I could, but yeah, I think it would be close for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, I just think Trevor Lawn, Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is Trevor naturally Lawrence. gifted, like Kyle just said. Uh, he's got three running backs back My there Larry. that are all capable. Uh, DJ Shark, Shark, Shark. Is the potential a potential stud and maybe another breakout year for this guy? Once he gets some more talent around Lawrence, uh, he'll bump up the Burrow Herbert status because they have talent right now, and then he should be able to ascend past those two because he's got more talent than those two. Um, Lawrence, with all intents and purposes, I've said it about like three or four different guys. Hold on, can you say that one more time slowly? Lawrence, with what? All intensive purposes. Oh my, you idiot. It's what? all intents and purposes. Really? I don't know if I've ever said that right in my whole life. Man. Now you know. Ugh, I don't want to re-say that. <laughs> uh, so we'll just rewind. <laughs> Lawrence should be the next Patrick Mahomes-esque uh, yeah. guy that just lights up the fucking league because he's that talented. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers-esque where he just lights up the league immediately. That should be Trevor Lawrence. Actually, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, you guys said it all. Great prospect. I think it was a great landing spot. I think the offense is going to be set up very well for him. He has his college running main, Travis Etienne. Uh, call it what you will, but at least they'll make him a little bit more comfortable. 
And I think between LaVisca Chenault, um, Marvin Jones, DJ Chark, he's got good weapons. Probably needs a better tight he's end. He's got all the best number two in the league. And his offensive line is also ascending. I think they uh, have invested in quality talent in the offensive line. So I think his offensive situation is good. Uh, depending on how uh, Urban Meyer pans out will depend his immediate future. So if you want to buy uh, Urban Meyer stock, then you're buying Trevor Lawrence stock. So I think that's his big hang-up. That's why he's at 10 for me. I think he's more talented than some of the guys ahead of him on this list. But that doesn't really matter a lot in football. You know, we see when people come in with tremendous talent in their bad situations and they get ruined. Kyle's best friend, Sam Darnold, everyone loved him. Um, he has the exact same issues he had in college because he had nobody to guide him forward in his uh, NFL career. So as long as Trevor Lawrence is guided correctly, he's got a good coach, then we'll be all right. Moving on. Number 11. The, uh, <laughs> this guy. This guy. What a fucking offseason for this dude. The yeah. biggest asshole in the world. No, I'm just kidding. Everyone oh, just thinks go. he's an asshole. Aaron Rodgers. Number 12 overall, or number 11 overall in our consensus rankings, but all three of us have him ranked at 12. So he's at the very end of our quarterback one rankings. Kyle. Yep. Give me your least biased opinion on what you think about Aaron Rodgers in 2021. All right. And so I, I got two points to make, and I'll try to make them as brief as I can. Number one, find me a quote from Aaron Rodgers or the Green Bay Packers to make you think that he's not going to be there in 2021. And I'll continue to wait because it doesn't exist. Everything to this point has been speculation. We had a heated debate about that before the show. Is the difference between reporting facts and reporting gossip. All right, I don't watch TMZ. I don't want to watch TMZ. I don't care what you think as a reporter. Okay, what's what's the one show that Aaron Rodgers does speak on? Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee, the only person he talks to. <laughs> The only show that he speaks on. So Adam Schefter had an interview where he talked about breaking the news did not come from Aaron Rodgers, did not come from an Aaron Rodgers source, did not come from the Green Bay Packers. It was an accumulative of information that he was able to collect. Whatever. All right, cool. I'm not buying it. All right. That's Adam Schefter's opinion. And I'm not trying to downplay Schefter as not being the best reporter of all time. Good for him. He, he screwed the pooch on this one, all right? Because Aaron Rodgers has never said he won out. I, I believe there's absolutely turmoil there. But I would absolutely also bet that Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers in 2021. I, I think the scenario in which that he's not, I, I can't fathom. I don't know what that is. What does it take? It's, it's not going to be a trade at this point because you're not going to get player value back. It can't be worth picks because the draft has already passed in spite of Shefty's best efforts. I'll digress. I think he's the quarterback of the Packers in 2021. The second point that I'm going to make, all right, is just to dispel this annoying narrative that's been behind the Packers for years about how they don't draft day one weapons. Okay? So anyone who is a football fanatic could probably tell you that more noteworthy wide receivers, tight ends, these pass catchers, actually come in day two of the draft. All right? That happens all the time. Who's the best team in the NFL at drafting pass catchers, if I were to ask you both right now? Name one team. Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers, 100%. Devin, you agree? Yep. Okay. So, I did some research before today's show. There is a team who has has drafted more day two pass catchers than any other team in the league. Who do you think that team is? 
Go, Pat, go. No, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ah. We just talked about it because they're the best in the league at drafting pass catchers. The Green Bay Packers, though, tied for fifth. Man, they are okay. tied for fifth in the league at the amount of pass catchers, a.k.a. wide receivers and tight ends, that they have drafted in rounds two and three of the NFL draft. The only teams ahead of them, Pittsburgh with 11, Cincinnati, the L.A. Rams, and the Seattle Seahawks each have nine. Seattle has eight. And the number I'm referring to is the years dating back to 2008, which is where Aaron Rodgers took over for the Green Bay Packers, all right? So, Shoddy's rubbing his forehead. He's irritated that I just stole his platform from it, and I'm using it as a pedestal to get this information out there. The Green Bay Packers want Aaron Rodgers. The Green Bay Packers have done plenty to support him. He's going to be the quarterback. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. Let me, let me break something down for you here. Okay, would you open your fucking ears? Okay, why don't you look at me while I'm talking, son? Okay, <laughs> you have to look at recent history. Okay, you can say all you want about the past ten years or thirteen years, whatever you listed, doesn't matter. The past two years, when when Aaron Rodgers made it known that he wanted the Packers to draft a weapon, they didn't draft a single wide receiver in the most wide receiver saturated draft that we've seen in our lifetime. When Aaron Rodgers made it known, how did he do that? On Pat McAfee's show, like you just mentioned a minute ago. What did he say? Like I said, sit back. He said, it'd be nice if we got a pass catcher. He said, Yeah, he said that in hindsight because his no, replacement was just draft. drafted. No, he said it, that's, this absolutely came after the draft. He was talking about what happened when they called Jordan Love's name and he talked about it at the tail end of that. Oh, I, I had to pour myself three or four fingers that night. Look it up. He said it before. Oh, my. Look it up. <laughs> Either way. Either way, he made it known, okay, whether it was a day before or a day after. Since then, they haven't made any effort to bring him in a wide receiver of consequence. Okay? That's the one thing you needed to do to keep the best quarterback in the NFL happy. Okay, And they didn't do that. And then it comes to the contract issue. He wants a long-term extension. So if you're not going to no, get him weapons, but you can please him another way, he wants a long-term extension. So You don't he- give him that long Go ahead. Yeah, on that note, just to give you some background, that, that's definitely true. He was trying to negotiate when they were trying to create some pack, uh, some cap room this offseason. Uh, Green Bay went to Aaron Rodgers, and they were trying to renegotiate, restructure his deal. Okay, not give him any extra years, but to restructure his deal, move some money around, and Rodgers said the only way that was going to happen is if it came with an extension. Yeah. So if you choose not to extend him a year after drafting his replacement, what does that say to him? His time is yeah, ticking. yeah. His time in Green Bay is is slowly fading away, and he doesn't want that. Like you said, he wants to be the quarterback in Green Bay. I believe that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not going to happen because this guy is not just going to bow to Green Bay. They need to budge or he needs to budge, and I don't see him budging. But, but when think, does that happen? Does that happen this year, next year, or when his contract? I think they inevitably years? I think they inevitably extend him. I honestly do. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, so- and that's why I have him at 11 or 12 because – the talent is still there. I think he's still got a few good years left. And in Dynasty, you're really looking at the next two to three year window. You really right, can't right. predict anything past that. I think he's got that in him. He's a stud. He still has Devontae Adams there. They got Amari Rodgers, who, in my opinion, is a great wide receiver, too, for him in that right. offense. So, with my speculative projection of him still being in Green Bay, I think he's solidly a QB1, and he has the upside to be another top six quarterback this year. So, that's why I have him there. The only reason he's a little bit lower than guys like Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert is because he's older. But sure. the talent is all there. Everything around him is there. The offensive line is still solid, even though Corey Lindsley's gone. Um, 
signing Aaron Jones was a mistake. Sorry, I had to throw that in oh, there. But I'm gonna pass let's over let's to get Devin. into that on the running backs episode. <laughs> My gosh. Um, yeah, I'd, uh, I'll be on the end of Aaron is not in Green Bay. Um, I just don't know where he would end up, though. Like Kyle said, like what what's good, what the fuck's gonna happen? I don't want that, that's a whole that could be a whole thirty minute session on Aaron Rodgers drama. Um, Let's I've not. always been tune into ESPN. <laughs> right, I could be a, I, I I'm an Aaron Rodgers stan. He's he's my favorite non Seahawk, and he has been for a while. For a guy who hates the Packers, I do love guys who are a bit cocky and have chips on their shoulders, like Rodgers had his whole career. Um, I'm a big Rodgers supporter. I hope for the best for him. I just hope that best isn't in Green Bay because fuck the Packers. Uh, but Aaron oh, Rodgers is a stud. Uh, even at the age base. 38, uh, before Mahomes came <laughs> to the NFL, this guy was the most talented quarterback to ever play football. Mm-hmm. Then Patrick Mahomes was born in the NFL, and okay, now you're second most talented. But Rodgers is the highest quarterback rating of all time, behind uh, uh, ahead of my guy, Russell Wilson. He's actually. behind Mahomes. Oh, Mahomes is number one now? Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. So it goes Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson. Um, when I think those are the top three quarterbacks in the NFL too, Rodgers is the second best quarterback in football. Age doesn't age. Yeah, he's older. That's why he's fucking eleven on our list, guys. But uh, I mean, if you're wanting, if you want to win right now, and I think Rodgers is going to be a guy who's going to play into his, his mid to late forties, like forty-two to forty-five, as long as he doesn't get hurt anymore. I think he has stuff to prove, and I know he wants to win. If you're drafting Rodgers for the next three to four years, especially if he extends in Green Bay for another few years, then you're talking about, okay, cool, I actually have a legit dynasty guy for a handful of years still, and he's 38, and he's this good. I have a question for you guys. Answer. So a couple years ago, and I say a couple, probably two, three years ago, Aaron Rodgers was the all-time leader in passer rating for several years. Okay. But he's now third. Can you name the two guys above him? And I'll give you a hint. Both of them are ranked above them in our consensus rankings. We already talked about Patrick Mahomes, but who's the other one? What was the question again? (laughs) The question, Devin, and the answer has already been given, was who has a higher passer rating than Aaron Rodgers is on our consensus top 12, and it is Deshaun Watson. He's number two. Okay, yeah, that would have been my guess. There you go. So – we're moving on from Aaron Rodgers, the oldest quarterback on our list, to the youngest quarterback on our list, Trey Lance. 12, 12, 12. Trey Lance is our 12th by consensus, 13 by me, 11 by Kyle, and 15 by Devin. Although it's kind of nitpicking, Kyle is the highest highest on him of all three of us. So, Kyle, why do you have him at 11 over guys like Aaron Rodgers and uh, who else you got down here? I don't know, Stafford, Matt Ryan, all those yeah, guys. What do you see in Trey Lance that, that you think his future is so bright that he's already a top 12 quarterback? So we touched on it a little bit with our last show when we talked about our uh, rookie rankings, and I talked about how Trey Lance had actually moved into my QB2 spot ahead of Justin Fields, and that's that his future is so secure. For, for all the rookies not named Trevor Lawrence, if you're going to bet on one to be a starting quarterback with success – and in the next three to four years, I don't see how you take anyone's name other than Trey Lance. On top of that, I talked about the speculation that I hate. But if you want to feed into it, look at the speculation that's come in and all the stories about opinions that have come in on Trey Lance. All right, The 49ers believe they could sprinkle in Trey Lance that the way the Saints have used Taysom Hill. All right, Trey Lance could start sooner than you think. Adam Schefter reports the Niners believe Trey Lance was the smartest quarterback in the draft. Name a negative thing that's been said about this kid since he's come out. All right, 
we all know what the red flags are, the inexperience and the low floor, okay? And that's something that's going to prove out in time. If Trey Lance was the starting quarterback for the New York Jets or the Jacksonville Jaguars, I probably would not have this opinion. But the fact that he gets to go play under Shanahan, all right, who just runs one of the easiest offenses in the NFL, okay? It may not happen this year, all right? This is still Jimmy G's show. This is a dynasty ranking, okay? But Jimmy G's going to be out the door soon, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, whether it's week one. This is going to be Trey Lance's show to run sooner than later, and it's been nothing but upside. This kid is coming up roses. Uh, I'm the lowest on Lance because he is my QB3 pre-draft, post and post-draft. Uh, I'm going to talk about two guys here. We'll talk about Lance, and I need to talk about Justin Fields because we're not mentioning him in the dynasty ranking for quarterbacks. I'll talk about Trey Lance real quick. I think the situations couldn't be better. Uh, you're going to one of the best head coaches in football with an absolutely dominant defense where you're not going to be asked to do a lot off Jump Street for a guy who is not very experienced, who's going to be learning, a comp- not not necessarily complicated, but learning an NFL offense at a new speed. I think the potential is there for Lance. Lance has always been my uh, QB 3 to 4 when I was doing my rankings. I like the guy. I think the situation is great for him. He was just lower for me because of Justin Fields and a few other guys. But touching on Fields quick, I think he was really. I think he's a lot closer to Trevor Lawrence than a lot of other expert experts or a lot of friends. Well, think. That, that was the consensus uh, less than a calendar year ago before this college football season happened. It was actually Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are a lot closer than Justin Fields and the next guy. And it was just in the pre-draft process that it seemed to, the tide seemed to change. Yeah, we never heard about Justin Fields' epilepsy issues at all in college. And then it comes up. That's the kind of things you dig up in NFL pre-draft things. Apparently, he's not the nice, like, what is it? Not Was it uh, not, not, not nice? That's not the word. Doesn't seem like a good teammate, was it? Something, some weird quote came about him that Ryan Day had to defend him. And uh, he's a hard worker. He's driven and all those other things. And. I do think that's true. I watched all his, both his pro days because I'm a Justin Fields fanboy. To me, what was really solidified Fields for me was watching him play Clemson in that playoff game. This dude got beat the fuck up but came out with a giant hard rib injury. He comes in and he has a fucking fantastic game against Clemson. I was like, all right, all right, okay, Justin Fields, all right, you're definitely my QB2. It's not changing ever. Um, Fields is a guy who I like more than Trey Lance, but if you go either or, it's kind of like – you're picking at hairs here. It's it's close. Like Kyle, he's my QB two in uh, rookie drafts for sure. Um, it's more about the landing spot, Chicago over or Chicago under San Francisco, yep. and that's why Trey Lance is as high as he is for me. What his ceiling brings is amazing rushing ability. He could be a top five rusher at the position. Really good uh, arm talent in general. His deep ball accuracy needs to get better. But that's the one thing you could say about his arm talent that isn't there yet. What really draws you in is landing in San Francisco in an easy-to-follow offense where you have a, a coach that you can reasonably expect to utilize his skill set the way it's supposed to. Now, if he went somewhere like Philly or right, yeah. um, New York, like where you have these unoriginal offenses that just try to run back what, they, what worked in the past with different players, you're not going to get full value out of what Trey Lance brings to the field. And I think... You call it coach worship or whatever you want, but I think he's smart enough, Shanahan, to have that number twelve pick. Dude, I'm I'm about trade up. Yeah, trade up to number three. Get your guy in Trey Lance, who has the highest ceiling, 
and probably the highest ceiling landing spot as well. I don't know if, uh, like we talked about with Trevor Lawrence earlier, you don't know what his situation is going to look like in 18 months. You don't know what um, Chicago is going to be in six months. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they could get fired halfway through the season. So um, looking at all the other rookie quarterbacks, he has the highest ceiling and his landing spot was the best. And that's why I have him at 13, just outside QB1. Maybe I'm just pushing out and I need to throw him in my top 12. But I love <laughs> Trey Lance. And uh, that'll do it, guys. We got through all top 12 of our consensus dynasty quarterbacks. But we got to talk a little bit about redraft. Some sleepers out there. Because like oh, yeah. Kyle said earlier, you don't need the quarterback 12 in redraft. So right. don't draft your Kirk Cousins or your... Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is if, if hey. word comes out, he's going to start. You know what I mean? You don't want those guys, but what you want to do is get that late round quarterback that you think has the upside to be a top six guy if everything breaks his way. So we're going to start off with you, Devin. Who is, uh, we'll go 1 1 1 and then go back to 2 2 2. Right, so, Devin, who's your first sleeper in redraft leagues this year? Uh, I will talk about Samuel Darnold first. Yeah. I I haven't ranked 19 for Dynasty, uh, but the reason I want to mention Sam Darnold is because he's getting, you know, he's been shit on his whole NFL career so far. You're on the New York Jets. You have some questionable shit weapons. On. You have one of the worst head coaches to ever coach in the NFL, Adam Gase, who's ruined, who ruined Ryan Tannehill's first few years in the NFL. He goes to a whole new team, whole new regime, and he's been balling out, honestly. Sure, it's easy when you have Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, but he just looks comfortable in that offense. You get away from Adam Gase. You have a guy, Matt Rule, who I think is awesome. And I think Fields would have fit great there. I think Matt Rule is great. Right. You have great weapons. You have uh, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. Sam Darnold, you got you got Matt Rule. Um, I think Matt Rule is a fantastic coach, and his offense is fantastic. Um, you have great weapons. DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey's coming back this year. Let's not talk about Mr. 1,000 and 1,000 himself, the the success is there for him. It, the opportunity is there for to see if Sam Darnold can grasp the NFL. And maybe that is just his problem as the game is too fast for him. You know his famous quote of, I'm seeing ghosts seeing out ghosts. there. I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. For a guy who isn't almost not going to get drafted in redrafts, why not take a flyer on that fucker and see if he got he gives you top 10 QB potential. That's why he's one of my sleepers. I I'll see the potential for him. Take a late round flyer on the guy. I'll tell you exactly why not. Sam Darnold has been in a unique spot his entire career, and I don't think anyone was as high as I was whenever he was coming out, right? Big fan Facts. of Sam Darnold, all right? Big Facts. fan of the Facts. talent. But if he does somehow turn it around now in his, what, fifth season in the NFL, fourth season in the NFL, okay? Uh, fourth. And he turns it around. And you know what? I don't want to deny that he has the upside to be an okay quarterback, a mid-range quarterback, somewhere in the high QB2 range. We're talking about redraft. We're talking about one QB leagues. I don't think Darnold has that upside anymore. I don't think that those opportunities of top six quarterback are in front of him. And if you don't have a top six quarterback then what the hell are you doing on my roster in redraft? Okay? I am not here to win second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth place in my league. Okay, I'm here to win leagues. Everyone listening is here to win their league. I do not need the quarterback that is going to keep me afloat. 
right? <laughs> I need that ceiling. And although Darnold, I think, has a decent ceiling, I don't think it's what I want in redraft. I don't think it's what I want in one QB leagues. Crazy that you said you want to win fantasy leagues because your your uh, finishes oh, the past few years have been. Uh, hey, I won once. Uh, I won that one time. Uh, remember? When's the last time uh, you won? I'm gonna that dive man? in. Oh, okay. I'm gonna Let's dive into on, my yeah. first sleeper. All right. And we already talked about him as Trey Lance. Easy day. So this is gonna be quick. He's he's getting drafted right now and redrafted as a QB twenty two. What he brings can be enough to propel him to the top six, in my opinion. And it might take an injury out of one of the top guys uh, like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or something like that. But his rushing upside, along with an offense that you think has a lot of yak monsters on it. You got uh, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Um, I think they brought in another wide receiver in the draft as well. Uh, in a creative offense and a team that's really invested in him and wants to see his growth. Maybe he doesn't start week one, two, or three, maybe even not to week four or five. But I think once Jimmy Garoppolo does Jimmy Garoppolo things and they're looking at the future, they're going to want to put him in. And he might be a second half of the season, top six quarterback. And if you can get that and redraft and you're close enough to getting in the playoffs, he can win it all for you, in my opinion. I think So he's my sleeper. Yeah, I, th- I think it's worth a shot. If he does take on that Taysom Hill role, then great. You have a guy that you can throw out there in a pinch. But I think if it comes to week two, week three, and you find yourself in a roster cut pinch and Trey Lance still isn't taking snaps for the Niners, I think this is the first guy you cut bait with. That that being said, we're talking about sleepers. So, I mean, I, I don't think with the amount of hype that we've seen in the, what, week, two weeks since he's been drafted, that his stock is going anywhere but up. I talked about it in the Dynasty portion, why I'm a big fan. All right. That being said, if you draft Trey Lance and he's sitting on the bench week one and he puts up a big fat goose on your bench, I am perfectly okay with you cutting bait at that point. Uh, I'll uh, keep it real short here. My two quick points. Uh, you might be looking at a case with Jalen Hurts with this guy. Um, he might he might get drafted, then get cut because he's not starting right away because the Niners are in win-now mode. They're projected to get second in the NFC West behind the Rams, that god-awfully tough division. Mm-hmm. The, the Niners are going to try to win now, and they might stick Jimmy out there for a few weeks, but if they're struggling, that's where Lance will come in, and that's where he could be He could be a league winner solely off of waiver wire pickup, and that's why I do think he is a solid sleeper. If you do draft him and you do cut ties with him, and he starts popping off, or he has that, he starts. He's going to start one week. You got to try to pick him up because I think he's going to be. He could easily be a league winner for you. All right, I think that brings us to me and my sleeper. And uh, for the first one I've got here, it's not as much the sleeper candidate as it is just the underrated quarterback, and that's Matthew Stafford, who's going right now as the QB fourteen. And you may think, yeah, it's a high end QB two. How can that be a sleeper? And I think that's because we talked about what you want in redraft, what you want in one QB out of your quarterback, and that's that top six potential. We've seen Matthew Stafford be this quarterback before. Now, granted, that was eight, nine, ten years ago. It's been a long time since we've seen that out of him, but obviously playing for a new team now. He's going off to L.A. where he's got the best supporting cast than he's ever seen in his life. All right. Matt Stafford was great and at his greatest back in 2011, 2012, when he was throwing the ball six, 700 times a season. All right. Real quick, these are the Matthew Stafford attempts 
by season, starting in 2011, 663, 727. Both of those led the NFL. 634, 602, 592, 594, 565, 555, 291 injured season, and then 528. We've seen his passing attempts sputter off with that New York, or sorry, the Detroit Lions offense. All right. Now he's going to Sean McVay, who even with Jared Goff in his second year, led the league in pass attempts. It's a very good chance that we're going to see the Matthew Stafford, that volume passer, that 5,000-yard passer, come now to L.A. where he's throwing to Robert, Robert Woods, where he's throwing to Cooper Cup, where he's throwing to Tyler Higbee. All right? I think the ceiling is top four quarterback. Yeah, I'll have a I'll have a spicy take. Not that's not even spicy. You said top four. Matthew Stafford's going to finish his QBR three or better this year. Uh, if Jared Goff can thrive in that offense with oh, with a fat with a play action <laughs> offense, like I said, sleeper. How, Clearly, I'm wrong. Everyone's no, wrong. No, I I think he's ranked my QB thirteen in a redraft. He just is. He gets forgotten about in redrafts, and he people does. like think about it. Like Jared Goff was in this offense. I mean, this offense looked damn good. Matthew Stafford is leaps and bounds a better quarterback than Jared Goff. This guy is only oh, yeah. 32. He's younger than Russell Wilson, and he's been in the league since 09. Matthew, you're looking yeah. at, I'm going to guess, like Kyle said, Matthew Stafford is going to throw close between 4,500 and 5K yards, upwards of 35 to 45 touchdowns. I know it's a 10-touchdown window, but uh, I, I think Stafford in this offense with those weapons, Stafford should be able to just fucking light it up this year. If there's such thing as a safe sleeper, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Because – he has a really high floor in L.A. So even though you, you can get him late, I don't think he's going to be a cut candidate for you early in the year like a lot of these other quarterbacks we're mentioning. So right. although he is uh, drafted higher than the other quarter- quarterbacks we've mentioned so far and higher than the rest we're going to mention in the sleeper section, he has a, a much higher floor. So where you're getting him and the value you're getting him at, I think, is, is totally worth it, and he does have a very high ceiling. So I, I think that's a good pick. Uh, we're going to move back to – Devin, for his second sleeper pick, who you got? Uh, a guy who I've loved. I love this guy as much as I love Johnny Manziel, but this guy's panned out better so far. Baker Mayfield. Did we just get um, a Johnny Manziel reference, and it took us all but an episode and a half to get that reference? Yeah, because I, I like Baker as much as I liked Manziel coming out. You know, me and Brett are big money Jesus Manziel guys. Nice. You remember our picture pulling into oh, Australia, God, free yes. man in Australia. It's one of our, <laughs> that's one of my favorite all-time picks, and our whites are the money man. How's too busy doing seeing anchors like a fucking nerd? And we're yeah, I, I just learned that. I chose to do that. <laughs> Anyways, I about um, Pokemon with uh, what's that dude? Hey, Taylor? I'm a top 250 player. In the oh, world. Ian. <laughs> um, Baker. Uh, you know, I know his his uh, completion percentage is kind of a little weird. 63 his first year, 59 disgusting his second year, 62.8 last year. Uh, I think Kevin Stefanski is a solid coordinator. I just think it's more of a his defense is talented, his offense is talented. Baker is safe. He's a safe pick now. Vice more of a wild card. Uh, his numbers. I have him in a dynasty league. And I never know when to start him because he was kind of inconsistent for me last year. There would be weeks where he gets you 25, 40 points, 15 points. And then you're like, wow, 15, what the fuck's that? Then he's back down to 10 points, 8 points. You're like, okay, well, why is this guy a sleeper for you, Devin, if he's so fucking inconsistent? Mm -hmm. Because I think this next year, the Browns are going to make us like they're they're Super Bowl contenders. I think Baker's just going to have a step up year 
where it's like, okay, I'm throwing for third, over 30 touchdowns. I'm getting to almost 4,000 passing yards, if not eclipsing 4,000 yards for a team who likes to run the ball. The second year in this offensive regime, a healthy OBJ all year. OBJ, I think, is going to come back to normal OBJ things. That just means Baker's going to be better. For where Baker goes in redrafts, I'm fine having him as a backup because I always draft a backup whether it's late. Or if you have if you pair Baker as your starter, pair Baker with somebody like a Ryan Tannehill or Matt Stafford. Those are going to go around the same time, usually. Yeah, right I now, think Baker's good. Baker is going as QB 17. I'm not a fan. I don't think the ceiling's there. All right, we, we beat it to death about how you want that top six quarterback on uh, – on redraft single quarterback, and we just haven't seen it out of Baker. I think he's fine. I think he's great for the Cleveland Browns, okay? I, I don't think he's ever going to be that fantasy guy. He, he doesn't provide the rushing upside. He doesn't provide the volume upside. As long as he's under Stefanski, that's not going to change, okay? I'm, I'm not a big Stafford or a Mayfield fan, rather. If we're talking about Superflex, sure. I love having Mayfield as my QB2 because he's solid, and we talked about that last episode. I'll take the 15 points. I'll take the 20 points. But when we're talking about redraft, when we're talking about one QB, and Mayfield has to go out there and start for me, and he throws for 210 yards, a touchdown, and a pick, I'm asking why the hell I ever drafted this guy. So, I'll quick before you... Hold on, Brett, before you chime in. Quick. The reason... I, I think the reason, like, a, a guy like Baker for where he lands, I'm fine waiting on QBs if I don't get a top five guy, and I'm fine having Baker to fall to me because of the roster you construct around you. If you're not a, a, a dunce and can draft a decent fantasy team, you should be fine with a placeholder of, of Baker Mayfield all year. And I guess my the reason he's sleeping for me is because I think he should get you a consistent 22 to 25 this year. And if he can do that with the spot you got him and the team you drafted, he should be a solid sleeper, but I 100% do understand your point, Kyle, because he just hasn't shown what I'm talking about yet. Okay, Brett, sorry. Yeah, it's all good, dude. I, I like Baker Mayfield, and I think you're buying into the Cleveland Browns, which I think is a great idea to do right now because I think their ceiling is a Super Bowl victory this year. So Facts. if you think Gosh, they do not there, say that to Browns fans, they can't hear that. <laughs> they don't know what that is. You can't put that in their ears. Their draft was insane. The value that they scooped up in the draft. Either way. Yeah. Baker Mayfield, if if the Cleveland Browns are going to hit their ceiling, and if you're going to bet on that, and you're betting on Baker Mayfield to take another step, and if he takes that another step, I think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback in fantasy. He may not be your top six guy because he doesn't really run the ball much, and he, his weapons outside of OBJ and Jarvis are kind of eh. His tight ends are uh, just a collection of guys. His uh, wide receiver three is Rashard Higgins or Anthony Schwartz, whoever shows up this year, and they like to run the ball a lot. So you're hoping that when they make this run, they do it on the back of the passing game. I just don't know if that's exactly going to happen, but I think there's worse guys to take a bet on. I like Baker Mayfield, and uh, I like his prospects in the next few years. So not a bad pick there. My second sleeper is Tua Tugavailoa. Yeah, I got it right. Suck me. (laughs) He's being drafted at quarterback 19 right now. Uh, but I think he should be drafted a little bit higher than that. I think his ceiling is very high with, just because of the weapons and because nobody is, is, is putting any context around what happened to him last year. So right. he, even though he was drafted high, he's, he came off a broken hip. Like a guy that a lot of his uh, a lot of his game was built around pocket mobility, escaping when he has to, and getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers. Like 
he still was very accurate in the NFL. I'm going to go back to player profile and read off some of these um, stats that he had last year. So, Kyle, I know you talked about his deep ball stuff last year. Uh, he was pretty low. He was in the bottom third of deep attempts and uh, a deep attempt uh, completion percentage. But where he really shined was his accuracy rating was second in the league and his uh, adjusted yards per attempt were at the bottom of the league. So he wasn't being very aggressive, but he was very accurate. With the supporting cast he has now, I think accuracy in the short areas are going to work to his advantage with guys like Will Fuller and Jalen Waddell. If he really wants to take that next step, he has to be more aggressive and attacking downfield um, with those same guys. So if he does take that next step, he has a full offseason with a great coaching staff, a better offensive line than he had last year. Uh, they brought him Lean Eichenberg, which is a great steal in the draft in the second round, I believe. I think he has the ceiling with the supporting cast and his general talent to uh, to be a top 10 quarterback. And if he rushes a little bit, maybe he gets that, you know, mythical six rushing touchdowns like Dak Prescott, he'll be a top six guy. So I think that's a great pick with quarterback 19. What do you guys think? Um, I'll go first here. I'll let me really in because I'm a Tua hater. Don't think the guy's any good. And I think the Dolphins should have packaged a deal up and traded a quarterback. And I'm not joking when I say that. I really think the Dolphins should have packaged first-round picks to trade up to a guy because I think the roster is good enough to win right now. And I don't think Tua is the guy to win right now. But in me shitting on him, and I could continue to shit on him, I like your points, and I think your points are valid. Uh, he is a definitely a good accurate quarterback i think last year he was just uncomfortable coming back with him a hip injury kind of wasn't asked to do a lot and this year he should take a leap forward in learning the game the offense you got gasecki who i think is one of the best tight ends in football well top seven tight end in football um you wilder who i think is an absolute stud will fuller Devonte parker still the the weapons are there for tua the team is there for tua to have to be successful I just don't think the guy's worth a shit. And I hope I'm wrong because I do like the Dolphins as a franchise. And I do like Tua as a player and a guy. I just don't think he's it. Yeah, we'll see. It's uh, it's a franchise that's been doing all the right things, at least on paper, the last couple of years. If we were playing Madden, they'd be they'd be very highly ranked right now. Mm-hmm. As for Tua, it's kind of a roller coaster ride because they, they had the whole tank for Trevor thing last year, right? But a couple years ago, if you can think back that far, it was – the Miami, what was it, uh, or Tank for Tua and then Lose for Lawrence. That's what it was. So yep. Tua was the unanimous 101 before the whole hip injury happened. And since then, I don't think everything's anything's been quite the same, which kind of surprising, Devin, that you're not for him because I would think if anyone in the NFL over the last couple of years to come in has a chip on their shoulder, it's got to be Tua, right? This guy went to Alabama. He won national championships. He was the unanimous 101, got himself hurt and fell all the way to the – what, number five overall, I think, to Miami. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll see because, I mean, the weapons are all there. I like what the team building's been on paper for Miami, but at the end of the day, he's got to get it done. It's funny you don't like him, Devin. He's uh, best comparable to Baker Mayfield. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's so he's weird right. to me. <laughs> the love and a hate thing there. Maybe you can talk more. All right, yeah, for me, uh, my last quarterback sleeper is going to be Carson Wentz. Take it back again with me. To 2000 and what 16, 17? Shadow, you remember this? I don't know. Two hops of 17. Okay. It's been a while, but it hasn't been that long. All right. Where Carson Wentz, as a young quarterback, was putting up top two quarterback numbers, top three quarterback numbers. Okay. And who, who was his surrounding cast? He had 
a top five, top ten O line. Okay, does Indianapolis have that? Yes, absolutely. Okay, he had Alshon Jeffrey, so a big body wide receiver on the outside. Does Indianapolis have that? Actually, yes. Yeah, they do. I mean, okay. not at Alshon's level went in twenty seventeen. <laughs> Calm down. All right, they had <laughs> Nelson Aguilar, who Calm on down paper, your good points on paper. <laughs> was supposed to be that great slot receiver check down option, <clears throat> Paris Campbell-esque. Okay, does Indianapolis have that? Yeah, if he ever plays more than two games, yes, they do. Hey, we'll get there. All right. They had yet? <laughs> Corey Smith, if you remember back to that roster, okay? So they I had do, the field stretcher, okay? Does Indianapolis have a guy whose f- first name perhaps consists of just two letters, T-Y, who can stretch the field even at his late age? Yes. Okay. So the only difference I'm seeing in the offense, because it's not in the offensive coordinator, it's not in the quarterback, because those are both the same. The only difference that I'm seeing in these two offenses between the 2021 Indianapolis Colts and the 2017 sorry, Philadelphia Eagles is at the tight end position. Is Zach Ertz available? Have you heard this? Have you heard this? Have you read about this? Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you heard about this? <laughs> if they can get even a decent to above average tight end in there to Indianapolis, which who knows, may already be in-house. I don't see any reason that this offense can't be the exact same offense as the 2017 Eagles, the same one that had Carson Wentz, all right, as an MVP candidate, reincarnated, okay? That's where I see the upside. That's where I see Carson Wentz, who right now is going as the QB20, who has that upside to be that higher echelon QB1. I'll tell you why he's. I'll tell you why he's not because he's like, you got you hate Sam Darnold. This guy's Sam Darnold reincarnated, even though Darnold's younger. When is the last time Sam Darnold was in the MVP conversation? I'm talking about Carson Wentz since that since that injury. Every year since this guy looks like a fucking schmuck out there in the NFL. He got benched for Jalen Hurts, who was a question mark at a quarterback. They didn't know if this guy was going to play quarterback in the NFL. I don't think Carson Wentz has it anymore. You, you got to see what. I don't, ha- so I, I'm sorry. I don't think. Any of the quarterbacks, so we went over our top 12 dynasty quarterbacks. I think maybe eight of them would have been successful in Philadelphia this last year with an online I mean, who probably couldn't start for your high school team, Devin. All right, yeah, they were no, so beat they, up. They, they were so they in could. transition. They were so old, all right, with a wide receiver core. And we'll, we'll get to the receiver rankings whenever we get there, but I, okay. I don't think you can blame Carson. Uh, you can because how come Jalen Hurts was so successful with that same exact offense? Because he ran. That's all he did. Then, he ran. He was successful then, for fantasy. How many games were the Eagles winning with him? Because I Eagles feel like points. they had a top ten draft pick. Shotty, <laughs> you like the Eagles? I heard. Way in. Yeah, yeah, you're a big bird fan. I'm not. I'm not a good guy to throw this to. If you want your point supported, I don't need you to validate me. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> The Eagles in 2017, as much as it hurts me to admit it, it was it was a fairy tale season. It was not something that you could have predicted. It's not something that could be repeated. It was it was insane. It, it, it was a, it was the greatest season I've ever seen as an Eagles fan. But as good as Carson was that year, you looked at a steady regression from 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. So there's no. No part of me thinks that he's going to just switch spots and immediately get back to the 2017 level 
And if you, if you have him as a sleeper, maybe a potential top six guy, you're banking on him getting back to that 2017 level, not 2018 where he was a mid-range quarterback two, or 2019 where he was a little bit lower than that, or 2020 where he was unstartable, unrosterable in redraft uh, non-superflex leagues. So you're really banking on him turning it around. I don't know if he has it in him. Even if he does, I don't think he's going to get back to the 2017 level, which means he's just a mid-level guy. And if you're drafting a mid-level guy that late, why don't you draft somebody with less risk? So that's why I don't like Carson at the spot. Um, I think you're an idiot. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's I'm it. With you. Yeah, I'm 100% <laughs> with you. I don't think – I don't think Carson's the guy anymore. I don't. He's. It's not there. It's. I don't know what happened from that injury until now. It. He ain't. He ain't it, Chief. Nothing. Uh, I'm sorry. I said that. Even if he is it, even if he is it, like an NFL in in an NFL sense, like if he's like a good quarterback by NFL standards, you're banking on him getting back to 2017 level, which was the best quarterback in the league that year. I don't think he has it anymore. He's been beat up the past three years. He's been throwing the bums. He he can't trust the wide receiver if his life depended on it. And he's going to go to a brand new offense and trust receivers that he's never thrown the ball to. I just don't. I don't see how he can go from as bad as he was last year to 2017. Maybe he goes from as bad as he was last year to 2019 or 2018 performance, which again is just a it's a, it's a mid guy. You know, you're you're getting solid games out of him, but you're not getting startable fantasy Sorry, games out of him. You know where to find me when you're wrong. I'll be here. What'd you say? You know where to find me when you're wrong. I'll be here. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's uh that's great, Kyle. Okay. <laughs> Fucking creep. We did it. <laughs> All right, now can I shut this thing down? Are we done, finally? Shut it down, my we, God. We out of here? Yeah, get me out of here. All right, boys, episode two, in the books. Kyle, figure out how to produce this thing, please. If I hear your laptop one more time. I didn't type anything today. I'm going to come over else. there and break it over your head like a steel chair. I'm gonna be Triple H. Hey, okay, as, you're gonna be Hornswoggle. around the ring. You hear the keyboard clank, and you know you got a fucking gamer in the room. All right. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That is what he said. <laughs> I didn't. All right, boys. Say goodbye. Say right. goodnight. All right, everybody. You know, again, follow me, Despawn three eighty eight. Got a cute little BMO thing, uh, emo, not BMO profile picture on Twitter. I tweet the same old dumb shit. I always tweet memes, sad song lyrics because I'm a depressed little boy, and sports stuff. Yay! I'm also gonna tweet out the podcast mm-hmm. the next time, and I'll put it on Facebook and everything. And yeah, follow us on socials, bro. Oh yeah. yeah. Follow me on Twitter, FF Master Debater, and uh, Devin. The podcast itself has its own Twitter account, correct? It does have its own Twitter account. It is. Is it just Fantasy Flexecution? It's the same as our name with our cute little picture Follow that we have designed. F Flexecution. And by the way, if you don't know how to spell Flexecution, F L E X E C U T I O N. Facts. All right, boys. Good housekeeping there at the end. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Sign us off, Chief. Closing it down. 
I just did sign us off. You guys were just gonna say goodbye and uh, give your give it a natural. Well, after we do that, you gotta give us a legit. Remember, like, the, all right, you have boys. the outro playing all right. right now. All right, boys. Good work. Good night. It was fun. It was real, but it wasn't real fun. Wow, original. Peace.